Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about postage stamps. And here's the first question. If I send a letter or a postcard from the UK to the US, who gets money from my stamp? Oh, that's a good question. If it's the UK, you know, how does the airline or the postman in the US then profit on my letter, right? Exactly. So the answer is that the sending postal service keeps all the money. Is it really that simple? So once it gets to the receiving country, are they even obliged to deliver it for free once it reaches them, even if they receive no direct payment for it? <laughs> Some countries, you know, they, they send vastly more mail than they receive, which sounds unfair to the receiving country, right? They have to process all of this incoming mail, but receive none of the revenue. Yeah, right. So what happens is there is actually an international agreement where between country pairs, the country that sent more mail has to compensate the receiving country by a specified amount. Uh, this is called something called uh, terminal dues. So for example, due to all the e-commerce that China currently sends much more mail to the United States than the opposite way, so China Post has to pay these terminal dues to the U.S. Postal Service. Wow, that's pretty interesting. When did that all get invented? Ah, terminal fees were introduced as in 1969 originally. But the terminal dues arrangement has been tweaked many times since then. But the concept remains basically the same. Basically, each country keeps all of the postage revenue and then they compensate each other when there are these volume imbalances. Are each of these agreements just between two individual countries? Oh, so there is actually a global body that organizes all this that dates back even further, all the way to 1874. So it's called the Universal Postal Union, or UPU. Uh, and it was established by the Treaty of Bern of 1874. Today, it is a specialized agency of the United Nations that actually coordinates the postal policies among member nations, in addition to the worldwide postal system. I see. So it is this body that agreed that the sending country should keep the revenue back in the day. Right, exactly. The 1874 treaty provided for the originating country to keep all of the postage revenue without compensating the destination country for the actual delivery. And this idea back then was that basically each letter would generate a reply, so the postal flows, in theory, should be in balance. Well, that seemed logical, I guess, for that time. It, it, yeah, totally, it was logical. Uh, but the problem was when we started getting other classes of mail, like packages, other than just letters, uh, these new types had pretty imbalanced flows. Mm, I see, and like the packages you described from China coming to the United States. Definitely, definitely. And before that, it was actually magazines. So in 1906, the Italian Postal Service was delivering something like 325,000 periodicals mailed from other countries to Italy, while Italian publishers were, were mailing you know, nothing out to other countries. Mm. Um, you know, there was another flaw in the system, too. The system also encouraged countries to remail stuff through another country, forcing this kind of middle intermediate postal service to bear a lot of the costs of transport to the final destination. Mm. In fact, remailing as a concept was banned in 1924, uh, but the UPU 
only took action on the you know imbalance flows in 1969. Ah, I see. Okay. Now another question we get with shipping and postage is when I select overnight shipping, how is it that that gets my package faster to its destination than a normal package? Why isn't all mail just fast? Oh, so the explain like I'm five answer for this is that you're essentially paying extra for your package to jump the line and get shipped right away on the next available transport, while a normal package usually gets added, you know, to the back of the line. There are always millions of packages on the move from point to boat, point to point, and you know, thousands of trucks and planes and boats ready to take them. The order that various packages get sorted out, as well as what speed of transport they get loaded onto, is all a matter of really how much you pay to ship it. So is that it, really? Just paying to get to the front of the line? Is it that simple? Well, you know, if you look at the details, there's a whole bunch of economics involved. And efficiency, generally, it's lost when you try to go overnight, right? Uh, you see, because shipping is it's done in these high volumes to try to keep shipping costs low. The, the typical example for this is that a standard semi-trailer truck, it's most efficient when it's packed full. Since the weight of the truck and the trailer itself doesn't change, and once the truck gets going on the highway, the weight of the trailer you know, just doesn't matter as much. So again, back to economics, to maximize your profit, you try to send as many boxes as possible and, and pack the, uh, the truck full. That makes sense. Another problem is that not all packages are going to the exact same place, right? So the most efficient solution here is to coordinate some shipping so that all of your packages are going to the same region so they can all head to the same big distribution center to then be processed and shipped out just within that region. And finally, you know, overnight shipping ignores a lot of these cost-saving measures. Basically, instead of waiting for a full truck, the package might be put out on a partially full truck with other overnight packages. So you have to pay for that loss in efficiency. Or your package may also go on a truck headed for the wrong distribution center that at least may be in the right direction so that the, pro the package gets processed and then finally put on another truck to reach your destination very fast. I see. Thank you for explaining that. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you have comments and suggestions for us. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, please do take the time to go leave us a review or a rating on Apple iTunes because it helps other listeners to find this podcast. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.